to my first dungeon, the tabletop role-playing podcast where we put first-time game masters through their paces as we build and run their very first one-shot, and then circle back around to discuss what went right, what went wrong, and how we can make their games even better. So many players want to take their turn running a game, but are thwarted by the same nagging questions. What if I'm no good? What if my adventure isn't fun? What if I forget the rules? What if? What if? What if? On this show, we seek to answer those questions, dispel those doubts, and provide you a roadmap to help anyone run their very first game. And the best way to understand the process of learning is to take a peek behind the curtain and see what a first-time GM really looks like, warts and all. This is a three-part series. Episode one is all about prep, where we will focus on building the session, understanding the GM's worries, and setting them up for success. Then it's out of the frying pan and into the fire in episode two, where our nascent game master will run their very first game for a group of new and experienced players. Then in episode three, we'll take a look back at that first game and discuss what went right, what went wrong, and how we can improve. Recently, we took a look at Honey Heist and the wild world of one-page RPGs and learned that even though these games are rules light, they can still present some interesting challenges for the game master, especially a first-time game master. After recording these sessions and watching our first-time GM, Chinook, kill it in his first time running a game, I realized that I had never actually run a one-page RPG myself. And I figured since I put him through the ringer, it's only fair that I do the same to myself. So for this series, I reached out to a game designer friend who has just released his brand new one-page RPG and asked if he would be kind enough to come on the show and teach it to me. It's called Something is Wrong with the Chickens, and I think there is no better person to tell you about it than the creator himself. So please allow me to introduce game designer and friend of the show, Elliot Davis. How's it going, man? Hey, Brian. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's an honor. Huge fan of the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm a huge fan of the game, so I can't wait to talk about it. Before we get into the game, can you tell me a little bit about how you kind of got into game design, how you got into tabletop role-playing games? Like what were your kind of touch points coming into this world? Yeah. So I guess rewind back to 2020 and, you know, the pandemic hit and everybody got locked indoors. And so I had some friends, a really good friend of mine who lives a few states away and an old friend who I grew up with. And then my roommate all got into Dungeons and Dragons at the same time. It was just like we can't go see each other in person, so let's get online and play D&D. A friend of mine had gotten really into some actual play podcasts like uh, NADPOD and Dimension 20, mm-hmm. and it was like, let's try this D&D thing out. It was one of those things that, you know, we were aware of, but didn't really think, like, was for us for some reason, even though we were into all sorts of other nerdy shit. Mm-hmm. But So we got into D&D, started one campaign of D&D, fast forward about a year, and we were doing, like, four or five different campaigns with rotating dungeon masters. And uh, and then it was through, I think, a video online. I think it was Dicebreaker did a video and it was like 10 RPGs that aren't 10 TTRPGs that aren't D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had never considered the fact that there was this world of indie TTRPGs outside of D&D. And so that video got me kind of down this rabbit hole, discovered things like Blades in the Dark. My roommate really wanted to run a Blades in the Dark campaign and we've since been able to do that. And then actually TikTok was an area of discovering like the niche indie TikTok world. There's some great creators on TikTok who all operate under the name Beggar Talk. 
Um, and it comes from this uh, joke of I'm begging you to play something other than Dungeons and Dragons. Gotcha. And so there's some great people on there who just were making short videos uh, teaching people indie RPGs and talking about their collections of these smaller zine games. Um, and so that exposed me to a whole other world of the itch.io um, game world and mm-hmm. the Twitter scene for TTRPGs. So I found a bunch of great creators on Twitter. And then um, 20-Sided Store in Brooklyn. Um, I had a friend, uh, my roommate, actually, Colin. He recommended going to 20-Sided Store as we were getting into all this stuff, said how cool it was. And first time I walked into 20-Sided Store's indie RPG section, I wanted to spend just an inordinate amount oh, yeah. of money. And so that uh, that indie RPG section has exposed me to a lot. i gotten a lot of great games from them. So, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And then... So I got really into all of these games, started play, like downloading like these one page games, discovered Honey Heist, who I know you had Grant on the show, who mm-hmm. a huge fan of his work with Honey Heist, Inspire and Heart, just like an incredible designer and had the chance to run Honey Heist a few times. Um, and so discovered this world of one page RPGs. And then, you know, there was some discussion around Zine Quest. It was this annual event that a lot of RPG designers were doing. And it was a Kickstarter thing. And then there was some controversy around Kickstarter getting involved with blockchain. And so a bunch of indie creators um, led by Feral Indie Studio kind of led the charge on it. And then a lot of people came together, put together an initiative called uh, Zine Month, uh, shortened to Zemo. And Zine Month was just kind of a community led initiative of different designers getting together and supporting people to make a zine game and release it and kind of cross promo and help each other out and huge huge resource for releasing my first game abominations like i just i i don't think i would have actually taken the plunge to putting a game out there and trying to sell it to people without the resources of that kind of initiative and to have something to kind of frame it around because it's like you don't really feel like it's just something you can do is just ask people to pay you money for something but because there was this this event it it sort of propelled it and then after making that first game now i just have like a million ideas floating in my head that I want to make more. And one of them was uh, chickens, which we're here to talk about today. Yeah. I remember we, we met up not too long ago uh, uh, to get coffee somewhere and you just were spitting off like idea after idea after idea. And I, I left that being like, all right, I got to design it. I got to design a game. Like this is so cool. I left like very <laughs> inspired, like my mind really whirling. But one of the games you told me about then, and this was only maybe a month or two ago. So to see it come to fruition so quick is very cool was Something is wrong with the chickens. Uh, So can you tell me what is something is wrong with the chickens? Yeah. So something is wrong with the chickens is uh, my foray into making a silly one page game that requires very little prep is very rules light. And it's just like an excuse to tell a ridiculous story with a group of friends. And so something wrong with the chickens is a game about chickens that are also eldritch horrors taking out their revenge against the corporation Bryson Foods, Inc. So it's got a little bit of anti-capitalism in there, Mm -hmm. a little bit of eldritch horror, and a lot of chicken. And so, (laughs) uh, yeah, so that's that's really the story. It was one of those things where, you know, oftentimes I'll be sitting in my room and something will, like, hit me like a ton of bricks, like an idea like this, where it was like a chicken that's also an eldritch horror, and I run into my roommate's room, who lives all the way on the other side of the apartment. I'm like, I just had an idea for a game. Your chickens, you're also eldritch horrors. And at the time, it was like you're eating farmers at the farmer's market. And then it has evolved into uh, what it is now. Very much like a combination of, you know, Chicken Run and Call of Cthulhu. Chicken Run is a huge spiritual influence for this. Even if I wasn't thinking about it when I was writing it, Chicken Run is uh, its DNA is all over this. Mm -hmm. 
I remember, yeah, just you, you gave me the log line. I was like, yep, sold. Yep, sounds great. <laughs> Can't wait. And the mechanical design of this game came out of Honey Heist. So what is what is the main mechanic of this game? Yeah, the, this mecha- this the mechanics behind this game are very much inspired by Honey Heist, Lasers and Feelings, games like that, where you've got the two stats and you're rolling between them. But uh, with a little bit of my own twist on it, it's a 3D6 based system and you roll all three dice at the same time and you, your stats ultimately don't change. So if you roll a one, a two or a three on the die, so three or lower, you perform a chicken action. If you roll a four, a five or a six, you perform an eldritch action. Chicken actions, I uh, got some examples in there. We've got cluck, gobble, crunch, peck and quack. You might be saying quack doesn't sound like a chicken action, but we'll explain why it's a chicken action. Um, and then Eldritch actions, we've got, you know, melt the mind of an onlooker, destroy an enemy, or speak an unknowable truth, just to name a few. And so the way that success and failure works with this system is that you roll your 3d6, figure out how many chicken actions, how many Eldritch actions you've got in the mix of what you're trying to do. And a mix is always a success. So you get one that's three or below, two that are above four, that's a success, and vice versa. There are two ways to fail a roll. If you get all chicken actions, that's a chicken failure. And you lose one Eldritch trait. And we'll get into how you gain and lose Eldritch traits a little bit more. Um, And if you have no Eldritch traits to lose, your chicken becomes too delicious and is captured. So that's a lose condition. And then the Eldritch failure on the flip side is you roll all three dice in a four, five, or six. And the action fails that you're trying to do, but you have the benefit of uh, manifesting a new Eldritch trait. So it's kind of this push and pull of the way that you succeed and move forward in this game is by combining your chicken and Eldritch contradictory nature. If you roll, say, uh, two, so you're trying to uh, break into a vault or whatever, Uh, you roll two chicken dice and one Eldritch dice. That is a success. Should you be narrating that as if, like, you solve this in a more chickeny way than Eldritch way? Yeah, I think kind of the encouragement is to think about this like your chicken isn't fully, you know, capable of these tasks. And so mm-hmm. when you roll a chicken action in there, you're always doing something chickeny. And maybe that something chickeny is leading to the success. Um, so, yeah, if you if definitely if you roll two chickens and one eldritch, it's a success. But then uh, as the chicken master, you might be like, so how do you use two chicken actions and an eldritch action to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish? So like, for example, one time when we were playing this game, there was a player who was a chicken who wanted to destroy a uh, an SUV that had kind of a secret agent for Bryson in it. And so they rolled. They succeeded. It was a mix of uh, one chicken and two Eldritch. And so the two Eldritch is they lay a magic egg. They infuse it with like this horrible power and they blow up the van. But then their chicken action might be like throwing out a bacock in order to distract the guard to, <laughs> to start the action. So it's, yeah, it's always leaning into that mix when you succeed and going too far in either direction is a failure to the action and also changes something about the makeup of your character. And when we talk about Eldritch traits, we're talking about things that are kind of derived in general from the HP Lovecraft Call of Cthulhu mythos, which is very much a genre of horror centered on unknowables, unspeakable evils, kind of like loss of sanity. Uh, if you've seen, you know, Lovecraft Country uh, shows like this, that, or, or Stranger Things kind of is a little bit Definitely. Uh, Lovecrafty. What are the, so we've talked a little bit about the Eldritch traits that you can acquire throughout this game. And hopefully like you acquire a bunch of them and can start using them in all these different ways. What are the Eldritch traits you can acquire? 
Yeah, so there are six Eldritch traits, and when you go through character creation, you pick one to start, and then as you play, you gain possibly all six. We've got tentacles, which you can use to constrict, grab, destroy. We have scales. We have the third eye. We have voice of the other, and the other is sort of the canon alternate dimension that all of the Eldritch power in this game comes from. Uh, we have non-Euclidean geometry. That was a personal favorite when we play tested it. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've got magic eggs. So, you know, the Eldritch traits are purposefully left a little bit vague, so you can kind of twist them around to your own. But there's some staples of the kind of Lovecraft mythos, like tentacles and non-Euclidean geometry is weirdly kind of a staple of, of Eldritch and cosmic horror, which is fun. And these things, you, you acquire more and more of them as you go. Anytime you roll those three Eldritch dice, like, yes, you fail your action, but you've awakened a new aspect of these Eldritch horrors within you, making you more powerful for later on. And if you acquire all six, is that also a lose condition? Yeah. So uh, just to go back to that, there's two possible lose conditions. And so everybody starts with one Eldritch trait. But if you chicken fail and you've already lost your last Eldritch trait and you have none, then that's a that's a total chicken failure. Your chicken leaves the game because they are too delicious and have been captured. And then there, if you acquire all six Eldritch traits and then have an Eldritch failure, your chicken transcends this realm, no longer concerning itself with the mortal struggle of chicken and man. And, you know, if your chicken master knows what they're doing, they'll let you have some big final moment of Eldritch glory as you as you transcend. Mm -hmm. Oh, so badly do I want someone to have a, I don't, it's not even an eldritch failure just a full ascension into the, the mythos of, of Cthulhu and things like that yeah it's a big like and failure is is one of those words that's easier to use in a game design perspective because it like makes people understand that like oh exactly what I wanted to happen didn't happen but mm -hmm. with a lot of indie RPGs and I think to a certain extent how a lot of people run D&D &D, uh, in like especially in the actual play world is just the concept of like fail forward. You know, you don't failure mm -hmm. should never stop the action. It should never mean that the chickens aren't like still moving towards the goal. It's just like it's unexpected what happened. Like it's like you wanted to sneak into this place. Well, you just sprouted tentacles and now uh, all of the guards are looking at you. So, right. You're in, but maybe you didn't necessarily want to be in. Right. <laughs> you uh, mentioned earlier that some of the chicken actions could be something like cluck or maybe quack or gobble. Why don't you tell me about the types of characters we can create? Sure. Uh, so our chicken types, we also have six of them. So the chicken types and the eldritch traits for character creation are on rollable tables. So our chicken types are chicken, chick, rooster, turkey, duck, and uh, my personal favorite, nugget. We love we love the nugget. Uh, the we second I saw nugget. that, I was like, yep, yep, I get it. I get it. It's tough because, you know, you got to imagine that like everybody will want to play a nugget. But then mm -hmm. I remember that there are people who like really love to play just like a human in D&D. So I think you'll have those like straight shooters who want to throw a chicken just like a chicken in the mix. Yeah. Um, amidst their five nugget compatriots. There is something fun to have, like a whole six piece McNugget game type thing and see yeah. where that goes. You know what I mean? <laughs> six piece McNugget. That's right. Great. That'd be pretty that's good. Great. And then just like Honey Heist, each of the different character types has a special trait that allows them to have like an advantage type play. Can you tell me a little bit about those? Yeah, yeah. And just again, Honey Heist is a huge reason this game exists just because of my love for that. So the, the caveat to rolling 3d6 for every time that you want to take an action that's uncertain is that 
If you take advantage of your chicken's special quirk, you can uh, add another D6 into the mix. So you can roll 46 and then drop one of your choice. And you might choose to turn something into a failure with that kind of mechanic if you want to gain an Eldritch trait, but you kind of have the choice to drop whichever uh, die you'd like to. And so the special quirks for our chickens, we've got the, the chicken is fast, the chick is cute, the rooster is loud, the turkey is big, the duck, of course, is mean, and then the nugget is crispy. And so, you know, these aren't very prescriptive quirks. They're meant to be, again, just freely interpreted and, and used. And I'd say most of the time you should be finding a way to convince the chicken master that you're using your trait. Yeah, if, if you're playing this fun. game right, you're pretty much always rolling 4d6. Yeah. <laughs> so just like a lot of these one page RPGs, you have the role tables for character creation. Uh, you also have role tables for the, the game master, rather, uh, in this case, the chicken master that help you set the scene, figure out like what the goal is, what the end game is, figure out who the allies are and also who some of like the bigger enemies are. I mentioned at the, at the top of this podcast that I've never run a, a one page RPG before, but I have run a lot of games. So I thought for this series of my first dungeon, We'll do some prep here and we'll kind of like roll, roll on some of these tables and kind of like uh, ideate on what some situations could be. But for the actual gameplay, I will roll as we are playing. So at, while the players are rolling their characters, I will be rolling for the chicken master and whatever I get, that's what I've got to play with. And we can kind of talk about how using these random tables can lead to some very fun inspiration. And if you don't have any time to prepare or if you don't necessarily want to prepare, these are fantastic tools to just like, hey, you roll 46. There's your game. Figure it out from there. Absolutely. I feel like especially uh, Chinook would think this is only fair after the, the, <laughs> the real rigor I put him through. We had a lot of fun. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, baby. If you're having fun, you're doing it right. If you are having <laughs> fun, you are doing it right. Hey there, it's Elliot from the Many Sided Media team. In addition to playing and producing here on My First Dungeon, I'm also a game designer known for such games as Something is Wrong with the Chickens, a rules-like game of chickens, eldritch horror, and revenge. Project Echo, a solo time travel game played in the pages of a planner. And the upcoming Rom-Com Drama Bomb, a three-player game of meet-cutes and mayhem. If you like weird and unique games and want to bring something new to your table, head to moreblueberries.shop and use code MYFIRSTDUNGEON for 20% off your order. That's M-O-R-E-B-L-U-E-B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot shop. Thanks! We've talked about the rules, we've talked about the characters. Let's go through and roll up uh, a couple of characters. Like, I'll roll up a character, you'll roll up a character, and we'll sure. kind of start seeing how we can begin combining these characters into a like some kind of plot thread uh you want to go first yeah sure let me get my uh my d6s um all right let's do it so first up rolling for our chicken type got a five i am a duck quack 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 um and then we'll roll for our first hopefully of many eldritch traits and we got four, so we're rocking voice of the other. Speak any language in any voice. So that's quack, gobble, cluck, peck. That's everything right there, baby. I got them all, baby. You got them all. Okay, <laughs> let, let me roll one. We'll see how we can kind of like combine these characters together into beginning to form a story. Uh, I got two, so I got a baby chick. Cute, cute little guy. And also four, also Ooh. voice of the other. 
Interesting. Okay, so let's say rather than rolling on the uh, the chicken master tables, say you were given these two characters. You got a duck and a chick, both mastering the voice of the other. They're speaking all the languages. How would you start kind of developing that game for your players? Like, what would you use to link those two characters? Yeah, absolutely. I sort of, I my initial thought with a duck and a chick, and I think this is something Grant was talking about in your interview with him, is just find ways to, you know, make your players' characters know each other. That's always mm-hmm. just going to lead to funnier role play and, and just like a more interesting story. And so the, the, the idea I like for a duck and a chick is sort of that, almost like the chick's got like a like an orphan story and it's almost like a batman robin thing where the duck is like taking the chick under his wing literally and um (laughs) and decided to go on this mission so i think if this if it was just two players duck and chick i'd probably rock the orphan mentor sort of relationship what are your thoughts on that no that sounds great because then you have a lot of fun interplay as one of them becomes more eldritchy and one of them is less like so if the if the chick starts to surpass the, you know, the master essentially, or mm-hmm. the, the Batman, then that's a weird dynamic, which you can play with to very comic effects. And same thing Absolutely. then when there is a connection, a bit of like care between the two characters, if one of them's in danger, it's now way more exciting to go in after them. Cause if you just have four, you know, two, three, four people all going towards a goal, they didn't even know they had five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. It's tough to get invested. But the second, you know, that, I've had this person under my wing for the past three years. We're both speaking all the languages. We've been planning this coup, this heist, this takedown for two of those years. We got to get our revenge. All right, let's go. Absolutely. And it makes the revenge personal for the chick and and the duck. Mm -hmm. And there it is. We've just, that's a whole game right there. That's a whole thread to carry through the whole thing. And you know what you do is then as the chicken master, when you hear that amongst two characters is then you have, you have to have, whatever reason the chick's parents died in a scene ideally closer to the end maybe a final confrontation but you just keep that little little nugget tucked in your back and like at one point you just tell the chick you think these are the bryson agents who took your parents and let the the drama ensue you see that same familiar bird's nest tattoo and you know (laughs) you know it (laughs) yeah it's big lenny the butcher Come to take you to your parents. So that's kind of how you kind of get your players into the game. Yeah. And I think I think like, yeah, let them let them have a personality that shines through, you know, and names are important. A name says a lot about a character. So you can mm-hmm. also wait to hear some names like I think on we played this recently and my friend named his turkey heavy artillery. And I feel like <laughs> that name just told you everything you needed to know about that turkey before playing. Yeah, there's nothing more. You you already know he's big and you you just see a jacked turkey. Jacked turkey. Yeah. Fucking guns for days. What, what, what would you name your your duck in this case? Your Batman duck? Yeah, I'm thinking like I don't want to go for Bruce because I feel like that's too that's too on the nose for Batman. Sure, but I sure. like a I like a, you know, a rich mentor name like Leonard, I, I think is feeling good. Like Leonard, Leonard. the duck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he's he's stern, but he cares. And then I feel like, yeah, what would the Robin, I feel like Robin's a great name because it's, it's like, the, you know, it, it works. Maybe, uh, I don't know. I'm or you could twist Robin and go for Sparrow. Sparrow. Sparrow's Sparrow. pretty good. Yeah. Actually, I do like Leonard and the Sparrow. That feels like, if not a blues band, for sure a crime fighting duo. Oh, absolutely. Coming to the stage next, we got Leonard and the Sparrow. Give it up for him. 
Mm, Leonard and the Sparrow, and the chick insists on being called the Sparrow, not Sparrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going through a bit of an, like an angsty teen phase, you know? Yeah, he's like, how do you know what I'm going to turn into? I'm just a chick. I could be a Sparrow. Not just a Sparrow. I'm going to be the Sparrow, okay? <laughs> and don't you forget it. He's like dyed his hair, you know, whatever color yeah. Sparrow is. Red? <laughs> I don't Brown. know what color <laughs> Sparrow is. So that's, you know, how you create characters. Incredibly simple, incredibly fast. You can kind of come into the game, roll them up, and you've got a game going. But four chicken masters who, it's so fun to just say chicken masters, four chicken masters who don't want to necessarily plan out a game or don't have the time or want to roll on these tables, let's kind of do that now and see what that could look like. Sure. Uh, So we have, on this chicken master table, we have four different roll tables. The first one helps us set the scenes. Let's see what we get. We got a two, which is abandon all hope a sprawling factory farm. So you can immediately imagine like mm. massive uh, cages just as far as the eye can see. Very chicken runny. Yeah, very chicken runny. Very much chicken run. Also, the sort of the grimmest, I think, of the of the settings. It's probably the one where if you if you wanted to imbue some darkness into your story, I think the sprawling factory farm might be the one. And we've also got things on here like, you know, there's a caravan of refrigerated trucks. If you want to do like a game on the go, you've got the small family farm. You've got the Bryson food headquarters. The next thing is the chicken fried steaks. So what is the end game? What is your goal? What are you trying to do? Let's see what we get. I I get a six, which means Mr. Bryson himself of Bryson Foods is on the premises. Now is our chance to strike. Perfect. So you see the full it, you know, drama. Yeah. Chicken run thing. You guys have been planning this escape forever. Uh, everything is grim. And all of a sudden on the day of your escape, you see a familiar face walking by. Oh, my God. It's that motherfucker Bryson. Now we've got a leave. new goal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as always, for these kind of things, you need an ally and some like additional foes. So if we roll on the ally table. Oh, here we go. We, I got a one and underpaid worker. This fits Perfect. right in the story. We already know what this looks like. We've got a person who's down on their luck, sees some chickens trying to escape. E- easy to uh, get them on your side to help you out. Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah. they also have their own reason for wanting to take down uh, Mr. Bryson. And the delight is that, you know, with the duck and the chick both having voice of the other, like they could have made friends with this underpaid worker over time, listened to their struggles mm-hmm. at the hands of a boss who doesn't value them and recruited them to the cause. We've got... So many things coming. But of course, uh, in every, you know, Bond movie, you've got the main villain, but you also have the big henchman. So we need a henchman. What do we got? We got an additional foe. I rolled one. This is Farmer Jones. Farmer Jones. I got to think Farmer Jones is the guy that's been rattling your cage every single day on this factory farm. He's the oh, person yeah. who says when are, when you're going to be taken out and put into the shredder or whatever, whatever happens at a factory farm. Mm-hmm. You thought that was your goal. You thought getting him and escaping was your goal. Then you see Mr. Bryce. Now you got two goals. Yeah, yeah. Farmer Jones is just the the man you got to take down to get to Mr. Bryson. He's the he's the head henchman, if you were. Mm-hmm. Just like that. That was three and a half minutes. And uh, the the thing with the friends and foes table is, uh, you'll notice that they say roll as needed for friends and for foes roll as desired. So mm-hmm. if you find that you come to a point where like the chickens are down on their luck they're they're not making any progress you're like let's throw a friend into the mix you can always re-roll on the friend table or if they're just kicking ass and moving quick too quickly quote unquote through the story although i don't know that there's such a thing 
you can roll another foe and add another foe into the mix. It's sort of there. There's meant to be, you know, used as you want, um, but you can you can always just use the one and one um, if that's enough. Right. These are kind of the dials that you can turn the difficulty up and down as needed. That's a great way to put it. Um, and then there's a there's a bonus table uh, for puns, um, which if you just feel like, you know, imbuing a little comedy into the game every now and then. Oh, this is this is a, a digital copy exclusive. So if, if you're a getting digital a physical copy, copy it's not the physical copy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, well, the, we got a if we got a table, we got a roll on it. So what do we got? We got puns. Puns, yeah, puns. Roll often. I love it. That's the one. You chickens are cracking me up. Yeah, perfect. We got it. I, I can see that being Farmer Jones. He just keeps cracking eggs, frying up eggs in front of the chickens. It's a real it's a real terrible thing. <laughs> yeah. Farmer Jones is a sick son of a bitch the way I'm imagining him. Ooh, I really I'm just looking at some of these things and one of them is duck. It requires one duck in group. So we're set. <laughs> yeah, we got it. Like, we can duck anytime <laughs> we want. So that in very quick succession is a couple of characters, an entire game. We're ready to go. Like that's how easy these games can be to set up. Now I say this and, and we talked about this in our Honey Heist series that these games, yes, they're very rules light. There's essentially one mechanic and one stat. They are very easy to set up in that you roll in a couple tables, you got your characters, you're good to go. What do you find are the biggest obstacles for people who want to run this game for the first time? I think, and I'm thinking back to kind of the first time that I ran Honey Heist, actually, because I think think that's, that's a lot of people's first, you know, one pager. And, um... I think one of the things that I struggled with is you can't get too caught up in like building the whole story ahead. I think there's like I think there's this idea when you've run games like D&D where you're like, I know the beats of this session and like sort of the branching ways that this can go. Mm-hmm. And with like a game like Honey Heist, a game like Something's Wrong with the Chickens, you have a starting point And that's really all you're certain of. You have the tables to kind of guide the road. Right. As you go, but it is a windy loop de loop, like go, could go anywhere kind of thing. And you have to just kind of be OK with that. And I think being OK with that can be difficult when you're used to a game uh, like D&D or a, a higher prep dungeon mastering, game mastering kind of situation. <laughs> and so I think leaning into the I don't know what's going to happen at every turn can be a struggle. Yeah, I always think of uh, jamming this way, but especially for these types of games, having seen them run is very much that part of Wallace and Gromit and the wrong trousers where Gromit is on the toy train. He has a box of track and he is laying the track in front of him as the train is going and like trying to maneuver things. Absolutely. That's very much the vibe you get. Like, you know, vaguely where you want to go. You have no idea if you're going to get there. You just got to go with the flow and hope you don't hit the wall. Absolutely. That is that is exactly exactly what it's like. You can see the end point in the distance, but how you get there is anybody's guess. I think the other the other thing that people maybe don't aren't used to if they haven't played like many one page games, run many one page games. I think what's crucial for these kinds of games is letting the players really drive what's going on, you know, Mm -hmm. ask them lots of questions where like give them the most basic setup. Keep geography, keep geography super vague. If you're I mean, if you want to use a map, then you don't have to keep geography super vague Mm -hmm. and you can have some way to track it. But if you're not using a map. Keep geography vague. You can you always want to be able to just expand spaces in regard to like what a player wants to do. You know, I think in again, playing this way, we did a a playtest of this where we were in a grocery store and I just decided that 
the freezer section of this was a sprawling winter tundra because it just made that section more of like a, an adventure piece. It made mm-hmm. it not just like a room. Um, so tweaking geography is like a big thing. Um, and then letting just the, because like if a player tells you, I want to go in that room, you don't want to be like, sorry, that room's super small. And like, there's not really anything interesting you find in there. So like always just like reward a player suggestion and a player choice and like build into it and lean into it. It's just always about collaboration. Yeah. And I think even more than in something like D and D, like when someone rolls, you know, a, you know, a dexterity check, and they succeed. Often it's the dungeon master's job to kind of narrate how they succeed more or less. I feel like in something like this, it's like, great, you succeeded. How do you do it? And then it's yeah. the chicken masters. Uh, I still love saying chicken master. It it's, uh, <laughs> never it's, gets old. It never gets old. It's someone every time I, I, I'm looking at the video of me and I'm seeing the smile on my face. <laughs> every time a player rolls success, the chicken master should just go. Yeah. How, how do you do it? What happens? And then that's the next cue for whatever is going to happen next. Like, great. You blew up the car with a magic egg. Now the car is falling down. You've got shrapnel coming all around you. What do you do? Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Players in any game, I think, love to have those moments, you know, people. And I think games like this, this game is all about that moment of I'm a motherfucking chicken with tentacles and I want to be able to talk about what I'm doing with my tentacles. And that sounds like it's getting in a direction I didn't want that sentence to go, but that's fine. (laughs) Um, But I think. And I think and I think it's also and I think this is true with any game, but there's going to be player. There's going to be two versions of players. There's going to be the player who's like, I want to like, oh, I I really have this like juicy, detailed description of what happens. Or there's a player who's like, yeah, so I I throw the egg and, and it blows up the car. And that's also your opportunity and job as a GM to jump in and be like then provide the big description so that the the whole thing comes over like you pull this egg out it's glowing with purple energy you launch it and as it taps the suv the suv explodes into a thousand like you just gotta you bring you bring the energy you don't always have to demand the energy from players i think it's Mm -hmm. kind of like you know reading the room is a huge gm skill i think yeah no absolutely and i do just as you were saying that i just my favorite part about this game i think is you know, we're talking about mechanics and how you build a world and stuff like that. And let's just take a step back real quick. There's a good chance that in your game, someone will be playing a nugget. They will have scales. They will have tentacles. They will have non-Euclidean geometry so they can just like shape shift and morph and defy space and time. And this nugget will also be laying magic eggs. Yeah. What's the problem with what what's confusing there? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what what more do you want from a game? What more like, do you want? Truly, what, more, what do you want? more do you want from a game? It's so much fun. It's so much room for your players to be creative and goofy and fun. And there's no way you're coming out of one of these games without having the craziest fucking story of what your players did. Yeah. And I mean, again, on the, the digital version of this, I was able to fit in a little bit more stuff. So I dropped some tips on here. And my last tip is just make it all up and lean into the silly. I think that's a, that's the best tip I could give for this game is just lean into the silly. Whatever the silliest, weirdest kind of version of what's happening is, is probably going to be the one that makes the most sense in a game that inherently doesn't make sense. And I think mm-hmm. that's like what is so delightful about so many one page RPGs is you can take these two opposites or not even opposites two totally disparate things and say hey what if we tried to just like 
throw these at each other and make a game out of it. That's why Honey Heist got the Baron Criminal. You've got Lasers and Feelings. Same here with Chicken and Eldritch. It's just there's something inherently funny about contrast. Mm -hmm. And that's what the whole that's what the whole game is. I guess that contrast. I'm really, really excited to play. Really uh, nervous to like roll something right at the table and then have to play it. But having, you know, rolled on these tables, I mean, we came up with a thing in two and a half minutes. Like, great. Yeah. You know, we know what we're doing and it's just figuring it out. Before we finish up, are there any other, through your kind of play testing and, and having built this game, are there any additional tips you'd give players or have there been any like moments from the games that you've played that kind of highlight what this game can be and like the places it can go? Yeah. I'd say for players, one tip would be that the roles are for when you're doing something where the outcome is uncertain. So it's when you're trying to do something. And like with any RPG, a lot of what you can do, you can do with certainty. So feel free to just like, you know, say like you like go through a door or you go into a room or like things like that. Like not everything is a is a role. Sometimes you can just like be funky with your chicken and funky with your chicken um and describe like something that you're doing funky with your chicken baby so that's that's what i'd say i'd say like not everything is a role like you can like don't feel limited by the mechanics that's that's a big thing with players and gms is don't feel limited by the mechanics like Mm -hmm. ultimately you're just there to tell a great funny story play test moments that highlighted what this game is all about a couple come to mind um, I would say that the well, so I'll give a little bit of of contrast. So at the beginning of the game, I had four. I had four chickens in the party, two turkeys, a chicken and a chicken nugget. And so one of the first things that like one of the turkeys did, he had tentacles. He went in and he just started flipping grocery carts, just flipping grocery carts. And it's like, that's cool. Like, that's like that makes sense. It's like a chicken flipping tentacles. Meanwhile, the chicken and the I've mentioned this example a few times, throwing a grenade to like blow up a car. He had magic eggs. That was his starting ability. By the time we got to what I would say, like, is the third act of this story, Mm -hmm. we had a vegan chicken nugget because he decided partway through he was a vegan chicken nugget, which was hilarious, who had gone into the freezer aisle and incorporated several hundred frozen chicken nuggets to make himself a body. (laughs) who then laid a chicken nugget skin egg that a clone of him then hatched out of at the end of the game after he betrayed everybody because he was the vegan chicken nugget. So you go from this like, okay, I like this seems like plausible in this world to like the, the chickens gain so many different abilities that it's all over the place. We had towards the end, one chicken was using non-Euclidean geometry. One of the turkeys, sorry, was using non-Euclidean geometry to transform into a motorcycle so the other turkey could ride him out to freedom (laughs) after they uh, blew up the evil Bryson machine that they were trying to destroy. So that's just a couple of the the kind of wild moments from from playtesting that I think kind of summarize what crazy hijinks you can you can get up to. So if that doesn't sell you on this game, I truly don't know what will. Elliot, thank you so much for joining us. That is it for episode one of series three of My First Dungeon. A big thank you to Elliot for both creating this game and for walking me through it. Elliot, do you want to tell people where they can find you on social media? Yeah, sure. So I'm on uh, Twitter at MoreBloobs. That's M-O-R-E-B-L-U-E-B-S, MoreBloobs. And then you can find all of my games at moreblueberries.itch.io. 
Brian, thanks so much for having me on. This was a blast. Yeah, of course. And I will put all of those links down in the show notes. So if you want to buy this game, all the links will be down there. Please, please, please check it out. Support this very fun game, as well as Elliot's other game, Abominations, which is a letter tile monster building battle game uh, that is incredibly fun. Kind of you got to read it to to believe it. Next episode, Elliot himself will join us with a brand new ragtag group of players as I do my very best attempt to run my very first session of this awesome Eldritch Chicken game. So until then, please remember, if you're having fun, you're already doing it right. Absolutely. Bye-bye, everybody. Awesome. If you're looking for more great gaming content from everyone here at Many Sided Media, you should consider subscribing to the 20 Sided Newsletter. It's a free bi-monthly newsletter for people who love games, make games, and just love making games. To subscribe, just go to 20sidednewsletter.substack.com or follow the link in the show notes.